Hello, film fans. The Real Times Trio is back, chock full of reviews and movie news. Because we're all about movies, movies, movies. I'm Lynn Venhouse. I'm Carl Middleman. I'm Dan Buffa. And we bring you all the news. And uh, we're going to start off with uh, three movies that are out, four movies that are out this week. So many Excuse movies. Excuse me. I know. So many. A week after like nothing, except for the very, the bad Captive State and maybe like uh, uh, Yardy, which wasn't even really released in a lot of theaters. I know. And of course, uh, Captain Marvel's still cleaning it up at it the is. box office. I watched it for a second time. Oh my goodness. You take Wonder a lot Park the was team. out too. Yes. Did yes. you see But that? nobody saw that. <laughs> I, watched, I watched three minutes of that at a movie theater before he put on Captive State. So <laughs> what I saw was good. Three minutes. <laughs> On today's show, we review Us around the two-minute mark, Gloria Bell at the 16-minute mark, The Wedding Guest at the 25-minute mark, The Dirt, the story of Motley Crue, at the 31-minute mark, DVD releases this week, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, and Mary Poppins Returns around the 45-minute mark, and movie news around the 52-minute mark. Uh, we have the big movie of the week, which is Us. It's Jordan Peele's follow-up to Get Out. And then we have Gloria Bell. It's a remake of a foreign film that Julianne Moore is starring in. Yeah, it's a Chilean film. Which, Chilean. And then The Wedding Guest, uh, adapted from the bestseller starring Dev Patel, one of our favorites. And then Motley f- Crew. <laughs> the Dirt, featuring Machine Gun Kelly as Tommy Lee. He's the only American actor in those four and people. Game of Thrones fans, the worst villain of all time, Ramsey Bolton, played by Ewan Rowan, I guess. Rian, uh, I don't know how you yeah. say his name, but he's yeah, he plays Mick Mars. It, 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 it's I will get into it, but I I, I, uh, really I, enjoyed, I it. enjoyed it. I did too, I, and, and I, I, didn't, I didn't know a lot about Motley Crue, so I, wow. was, I was taken to school by it. But let's say we want we want we want to start with the. Uh, Do we want to start with the big one? The, the big one. Let's, us. Us. And see, this is going to be hard because you, you can't talk can't about give it. it away. I mean, really, all you can say is family goes to their beach house, they see their doppelgangers, and then chaos ensues. It's very Twilight Zone. I heard it was very Simpsons Treehouse of Horror. Yes. I would say that, yes. So uh, Dan and I have divergent uh, opinions about the film. Which is great. It's great. <laughs> no, nobody should really... Th- we, if we all just agree that it was wonderful, it would be a very boring review. But was it wonderful? Uh, he thinks so. I don't. Um, I, I wouldn't go as sure as wonderful. Uh, I was a guy that I, I really enjoyed Get Out, but I didn't think it was a Best Picture film. I thought it was original. This one is... is, is I just think that what people have compared him to Spielberg, I compare Jordan Peele more to M. Night Shyamalan. What he did with Sixth Sense and Unbreakable, he's taking a genre that I didn't really like that much. I'm not a big horror film fan. Yeah. And with Get Out and Us, he's just kind of doing things a little differently. He's trying things. I think this is a movie that the is more I comedy? thought about it. No, there is laughs. There is. Like Get Out, there are some laughs. There are some thrills. I like that they put Winston Duke in this feeble Husband role, the, oppos- the opposite of what he was as in Baku right. and Black Panther. The yeah. Peter Nwongo plays two different characters, and she is just electrifying. And she said that voice that she used for you the gosh, us man, I'd say is I, based on Bobby Kennedy Jr. I heard really? that voice yeah. in my dreams. Um, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I like what Jordan Peele's doing. but it. And, and I will give way you to— You are to, hedging your bets on this. You're, what? You, for someone who really liked it, you are 
backtracking a little. What do you mean backtracking? You're not. You're. You said you're giving a whole bunch of yeah buts. I think it's a um, M Night Shyamalan overreach. Did you like and, it? Uh, I really liked it. Yeah, okay. he did way more than me. It, I, I gr- did. I, I will say it's ambitious. I will say it has terrifying scares, a lot of jumps. I was jumping. Are they and, jump scares though? There or, was are they, one. Do, or there was, they, well, I can't remember. There was a couple early on. My dad jumped. My dad is can be as seated like mm-hmm. a statue in a seat. But is there build up too? But there, you can't know just be jump scares. I, there has I, I to be a tension. I will say this: they they get right to it. Uh, the first scene sets up Lapita's uh, character as a child. She wanders off at a carnival into this dark beach maze house. Which you know, don't ever let your kids go in there. <laughs> it's just a bad idea. Thunderstorm starts. She sees, you know, something, and then and then it kicks to the modern, the current time. And I, I will say, it doesn't waste a lot of time. They get out to this beachfront home. They have two kids. Uh, one, I would say, is not slow, but he's a little bit dim. The young boy, Jason, they, they, they don't think he's really, he's, he may have some issues. The older daughter... Yeah, it's but, it is your um the symbolism is this is your typical sitcom family. Yeah. All right. This is the perfect sitcom family. Their neighbors are Elizabeth Moss. Well, they're friends. It's not their neighbors, but their good friends are Elizabeth Moss Elizabeth and Moss Tim Heidecker. For Mad Men, I think and, she's and great. And they play the neighbors that are like in the sitcom. Um Do you have to like Tim and Eric to like Tim? Um, I uh, I knew I am about not that, a Tim and Eric fan. I know a lot of people love them, but I am not a Tim and well, Eric fan. I don't pay attention to them, so he was a new thing for me, okay. and he was yeah. funny. He I was didn't know he was he either. was okay. he was a funny suburban dad right. on holiday. And the thing with this thing is, I think that what Peel is doing for me, he's breathing new life into a tired genre. Well, what you he's know? what he's doing is he's commenting on race and class and privilege, mm. and but it's yeah. it's tied into a lot of symbolism. There might be red for a reason in this movie, that the doppelgangers are all in red coveralls. I thought it was very Mike Myers to have the coveralls, and they're all in red. So uh, So they're not wearing MAGA hats? uh, No, but uh, there's a lot of uh, symbolism about that. Okay. I mean, and I will say, I liked it a lot. There are, if you want everything tied up, it's gonna kind of it, it's gonna mess with you. I I don't need every plot point explained to me. I like the greatness of film for me is a little bit of mystery in what it all meant. Uh, there is a lot of action. I think it, it ends with a bang. The second half of the film is better than the first because you know once the chaos right. ensues, you have to it gets build going. To something you have to build up. And again, I think the performance of even people that didn't like the movie, the Peter Nyong'o is great in this movie. I will give it that the performances I mean, she has are to play exceptional. Two different people, because if you don't believe her, you hate the movie. I mean, you have to believe in her character. But you hated it for different reasons. <laughs> yes, I felt it was unfinished, and my problem is I figured out the big reveal. You did, yeah, early, see, and I didn't so see that. so then I kept trying to connect it. Ah, but see, and then, there were then two, it disappointed me because I didn't feel it connected. There were two red herrings though that I can't mention because I give it away. Right when I thought about it, at the end of the movie was like there were two clues. But I will say that again, people compared him to Spielberg. I think he's more like M Night. He's because M Night took the superhero genre with right. Unbreakable and right. flipped it. And I think that's what Peel was doing with the with the horror genre. He's doing things a little bit different. He's making you think a little bit. He's making you laugh. And he does scare the crap out of you in this scene and in, in a movie in a few scenes. The movie moves well. I, I don't I never felt bored 
But uh, I just I like what Jordan Peele. You know, after Get Out, you wonder what he was going to do with his sophomore effort. But he seems to be leaning into the horror genre. He's going to do the Twilight Zone next, Candyman. Right. I I like where this guy is going. I think that even if the plot does have some holes, which I will see midway with Lynn about, the plot is probably going to leave people talking about it after the movie, scratching their heads a little bit. They don't really explain everything. There is that big explanation at the end of the film. And for me, I didn't see the plot hole. Maybe if I had seen... Maybe uh, if you had figured it out I earlier. Guess twist, maybe I wouldn't have liked it, but I didn't. What I was... if you would have been wrong, though? What if you would have been wrong? Would then you I would have liked the movie it. better? Yeah, okay. yeah, I would have loved it. But, it's but just, then I went... Oh. There's just, there is some genuine suspense in this movie. And, and I like that, that he, he's able to do that. And again, in a genre that's so over—I mean, look—we've seen the slasher or the supernatural. We've seen so much with the horror genre. Like when a movie comes out, I just go, "Oh, it's a horror film." Okay, end of the street house. They're spooked. It's haunted. They're all gonna die. But this movie—it's <laughs> just—it does a little bit. Again, I like Winston Duke. You know, in Black Panther, he was kind of a chest-pumping physical yeah. guy. In this movie, he's the husband. He's got a dad bod. The what, woman wears the the wife wears the pants. Yeah, she does. When when the the when the uh, the double gangers come up to the driveway, he's like, "I'm gonna go out and handle this." He gets this <laughs> aluminum bat. And you know he's not going to do it. And then when they start walking down towards the house, he goes, oh, oh, he gets back in the house. And Yeah, and but, it's funny because he has this speedboat that doesn't work very well. He's dying. And, and that's his pride and joy. To, you know, I will and, say right what I see, I can't talk about it, but right at about the hour mark when you think, okay, it's just going to be these people against these people, then other stuff happens. You're like, whoa, there's one deaf scene that I just – didn't see coming. The music yes. is good in this movie. Yeah, um, yeah. I will say that the movie. It's uh, the, a yeah. It's a survival flick. I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe I went in there again. I didn't love Get Out. I thought it was a well, original see, film. My wife hates it. Really? She just hates see, it. And, and I watched it again, and even my wife was like, "Am I supposed to like that movie?" I was like, "You're supposed to like it." I thought it was funny and different. I didn't love it. I didn't think it was going to be a best picture. That's kind of like that year's favorite for me. I just didn't think it was like, oh, my gosh. Um, well, I think it was so fresh. It was. You know? It was very fresh. And it was so different. And, and that's and, why and, 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 I compare him to M. Night, because he came onto the scene with Sixth Sense, and you're like, what is he going to do now? And then he takes the superhero genre, which I think was tired in 2000. Mm-hmm. It was 2000, right? Right. Unbreakable. It was tired. And then he did that. And then all of a sudden, Nolan and Marvel, they all kind of did that. Mm-hmm. So I think that Jordan Peele, the Spielberg comparisons are just, you need to stop that. He needs to have a bunch of more movies. Oh, but yeah. he's only done two movies. <laughs> but, right, but, right. But I think the M. Night, for me, because I liked us a, a, a decent amount. I, I don't think it's perfect. Again, you're going to be leaving the theater going, oh, what? I think it's nightmare-inducing, but it's also head-scratching. Like, I mean, <laughs> let me just say this, folks. Don't let your kid wander off at a carnival. Oh, and That's don't it. let your kids watch this. This is bloody. Oh, gosh, yeah. This is bloody. This is way more. You know, Get Out didn't have much blood. And, 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 and this, if you like oh. sweet old Peggy from Mad Men, you're going to think a lot differently about Elizabeth Moss after you watch this movie. And I thought it had an Invasion of the Body Snatchers kind of vibe Yes, to it, it did. It did, And then yeah. Funny Games, which is really hard to watch. That's that British. I think kind of what he know? does, he kind of takes, he's, he kind of kicks it old school a little bit in this movie. He has some stuff you maybe familiar with but i think in the way he infuses that suspense and again suspense suspense and comedy if he didn't have the comedy 
Like I laughed in this movie, and I was freaked out. It was well placed. It was but, uh, very well placed, and, I, I and badly think, needed. I do think it's going to divide people, but I, but I yeah. think that's just going to create conversation. And I think Jordan Peele, if you listen to this podcast, Jordan, you should be listening to this podcast. <laughs> not anything else. Not variety. Not anything else. He's going to like that we're kind of discussing this. That's what he wants you to do. He wants you to dig into this: the morals, the meanings, the red, you know, paint coats, and all that stuff. So I think the job was done, whether you like it or dislike it. Uh, there's this connection to Hands Across America. And uh, they keep uh, bringing Hands Across America up, and a lot of people aren't familiar with that. But I will say because I'm old, and it happened in 1986. (laughs) And it didn't work. And uh, I will tell this is hilarious. Um, I did participate in it, but it wasn't by choice. I mean, it wasn't by, like, pre-planning. I worked at the St. Louis Globe Democrat, and back then, you know, we didn't have computers and cell phones and everything. So I had smartphones? uh, um, uh, No. Because it was 1986, so I, was I uh, had uh, re- um, I had been assigned the Jackson Brown concert to review, and he was a big deal back in 1986 at the Fox. It was fabulous concert. So I came in the next day to write my review, type it up, typing, mm-hmm. you know, and I walked out onto Tucker Boulevard, and everybody was grabbing hands and holding, and I went, "What the hell?" And I just went between two people and. And but then I was like, "How long do we have to do this?" They had to sing the song. <laughs> but anyway, so that's my hands across America story. But most people aren't going to understand what not. that was. And, and I think you know, watching this a couple of times, you're going to have to unpack a lot. I mean, like I'm going to watch this again just to see if I can spot some more red herrings. But I really, I really want to see what what Carl thinks. But I now. haven't seen it yet because you keep having movie screenings on hockey nights. So. Yes, which Sorry. is unfortunate. Okay, look, but it was divided among the <laughs> critics. You've been Warned, allied, okay? The Blues play hockey in this town. Uh, uh, yes. Yeah, well, another thing is, too, it was divided among the critics afterwards when we were saying our opinion. What did, uh, I, I know, what did Max think? Max was there. Max um, says it is, he thinks that Jordan Peele saw an episode of Simpsons Treehouse of Horror and rewrote it. From. Okay. Well, the home invasion thriller, at first I thought, oh my God, it's going to be like the Strangers, which is a really awful, horrible uh, horror movie. i tell you what, movie. though, there's a part of that movie that freaks me out. Just when they're just tied up in that chair and Liv Tyler is like just pleading for her life. I'm I like, know. That was so disturbing. And I thought, oh my God, don't go there. But then bad. they do they do broaden it, which is a good thing. But isn't Jordan Peele uh, one of the people behind the new reboot of the Twilight Zone. Yes, he is. Okay, on so, CBS All Access. So that's and that. Also, Candyman. He better give Tony Todd a cameo. So that's what. But don't you think the expectations are so incredibly high? Oh, for they this? are. I mean, yeah. again, think about again. I keep bringing up M Night, but think about Unbreakable when when that came out. Sixth Sense was just what. You know, so now, yeah, there's big expectations. I think people are going to, you know, they're, they're, they're going to tear it apart and they're going to dig into it, yeah. which I think is what he wants. I will say ambitious and good cast, and, and there were terrifying parts. Are you on board for his next movie? Oh, sure. Yeah, but it's, oh, it's, sure. It's gonna, if he's going to remake Candyman, that's really, does that count as next movie? I didn't, or do you want his next original project? Yeah, original, original project. Original. original. And I do, like, I do like his POV, his point of view. Unless Bradley Cooper does it. <laughs> but uh, uh, but I will say it. Uh, um, uh, you'll never look at uh, um, gold scissors. I'm not going again. to any carnivals outside. Oh, again. and carnivals, forget that. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll go to Vinny's over by G, uh, GSA, but that's it. That's it. If it's raining, we're not going, and if it's dark, we're not going. 
But uh, <laughs> do, do we want to do Gloria Bell or The Dirt next? No, we want to do Gloria Bell. Okay. Oh, well, so let's switch know, gears. This is my, this is my wheel. <laughs> Hold on. This, okay, this is my wheelhouse. This is a divorced middle-aged woman. So, <laughs> you know, I'm like, oh, this will be my peeps, you know. This will be my tribe. Me too. But, oh, no. She wastes a lot of time in this you, movie. You know what? Here's the, when, when it started, the movie starts out, and Gloria Bell is this free spirit. She sings in the car. She's got a good job. She goes to this disco nightclub and dances. You know, she wards off the advances of older men. She seems to be really in, in her, you know, she's a happy woman. And she's divorced, even though we never see... Oh, yeah, we do see the husband, Brad yeah. Garrett. Who's yeah. very <laughs> scary in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> he has a scene in the movie, Brad Garrett, playing her, uh, her, her ex Where he hits the table, and it was like, ah! He gets so mad, but... Um, He's she, married to Jeannie Triplehorn. Yeah, Jeannie Triplehorn, yeah. The Waterworld girl popping up. Actually, Big Love girl popping up. But, um... Um, I want to say that you know she meets John Turturro, who is also divorced. His name's Arnold, and I, I said before the film, anything with John Turturro, I'm in. I love the sure. guy. I think he's one of the best talents that are out there for just slipping into roles. I will say the first half of this movie was okay, but then the movie just comes to a screeching halt. The pace goes away, and you start to dislike almost all of these characters. When I don't think you Yay. should. <laughs> Yeah, wait, no, wait, you, you do. You, you do. dislike all of them. Uh, I mean, I mean, even Julian, even her character, you're just like, what are you doing? I mean, because when you see her at the beginning of the movie, again, I was just saying, you feel for her. She, she's a free spirit. She dances at night. She sings in the car. She may, has a good job. She's really good with her kids, played by Michael Sear and the actress. I'm losing her name, but she's I... not really a no. Or a Karen Pistorius is her mm-hmm. is her name. Um, she has a good life, but then she meets this guy, and you're thinking, oh, this is going to be great. She's going to meet the cool John Turturro, but then things just take a turn. And He's got a lot of baggage with his, his ex-wife marriage. and his two very dependent daughters. In this movie, you have one. Julianne Moore has no baggage from her marriage. Her mm-hmm. and her, her ex-husband get along just fine. They're both at Michael Sarah's birthday party. And, and they're both just like they're still laughing. They still love each other. John Turturro has two very needy daughters. He's got... Uh, an ex-wife who he calls way too much during and, and dates. S- yeah, I mean, is Michael Sarah just playing Michael Sarah? Yes, no. but he's a well. well I will I say, I, I, I actually wouldn't. He's more edgier as really? he's getting older. He just seems. I mean, in this movie, he doesn't just play the son. He plays a son who has a very weird situation with his wife. Yeah, his wife has gone off to find herself. Globe trotting, oh. and so he's raising the little boy an Hugo. Infant. Yeah. Hmm. And so whenever she's there, he's on the phone, he's yelling at his wife, he's tending to his baby. I will say, Michael Sierra, he's never going to change his look. The guy is just can't grow one hair in his face. <laughs> he's basically like Leo before Revenant. I still think the beard was CGI'd. But uh, the movie has some good parts about it. Julianne Moore is great. I mean, mm-hmm. if you love her, my headline for my review is, Julianne Moore is a redemption song for the meandering Gloria Bell. That is pretty much. Oh, well, I that's mean, being positive. I, I, I think that she is a positive, but <laughs> should you see the movie though? It, uh, a no, lot not, of people are going to run to this of a theaters, certain age, really. But yeah, it's, I, I, it's a. It's I, a I won't say skip it all together like Captive State. I, I don't. I don't think it's that. But I don't think you have to run to this. Not with 
movies that are out that are better. Even like Us, you know, if you had this or Us, I'd say, go see Us. I mean, go get kind of either traumatized or laugh or scared. This one is just kind of one of those movies that could have been great, but I just think the screenplay was kind of, it failed but these wasn't actors. It, you said it was a remake. Yes, the, and get this, the same director and writer of the Chilean film directed this, this and was was one of the three screenwriters rita wilson plays her best friend so you know <laughs> mrs but, hanks but mrs. it's this but it's very disconnected yeah. like you get these story threads that seem very interesting like michael sarah's about the wife that's off finding herself that would have been very interesting and then she has a daughter who's engaged to a swedish surfer I mean, it's just the thing is they, they they throw a lot of stuff at you in this movie, but in the end, it doesn't mean anything. I, I told uh, I told uh, another critic, I said this is like getting uh, an album with a bunch of different songs, and you don't know who sang them. It's a mixtape, <laughs> and, and, and you're listening, going, eh, "This one's okay, this one sucks." But I they mean, have so much minutia in it, don't you think? Like we're it's we're, crowded. Oh, we see her brushing her teeth, and we see her and, just. And you know, I will say dressed, that if getting, you, I mean, I would. Give, Julianne Moore is has no problem with nudity. I mean, there's times no, where she's yeah. singing this movie and she's just topless. And I will say that, that that's that that's one of the things I like about her because she's brave. She doesn't mm-hmm. care. Um, she's an older and very beautiful woman. She still looks great for her age. And, and like I said, if there is a reason to see this movie, if you have to see it in theaters, she is good in this movie. I mean, I, I believed her as Gloria Bell. I just didn't like what, what Gloria Bell does in the movie, especially the second half. And she makes some really bad choices, and then he turns out to not be Mr. Yeah, I mean, uh, Dreamboat. If, if you think it's going to be like... like uh, you, you made a great observation about the the... The Blythe Danner film, if well, yeah. what's the the um, Brett it's, Harvey? It's a Brett um, Harvey movie. It's oh, what is it? With Sam Elliott. If gosh, I'll see you in my dream. Yeah, yeah. I'll see you in my it's dreams. A, it's you know that was a sweet little romance, but in this oh, one you're yeah. expecting that with with more and Deturo, but it doesn't go that way. Deturo plays a character who's lost like 160 pounds. So yeah, that's, that is that's, that's that is unintentionally <laughs> funny kind of part uh, of the movie. But they do guzzle quite a bit of wine in they this do. movie. Wow. She's smoking weed. She's drinking. Yay. She's dancing. She's singing. <laughs> it's and a very California movie, don't you think? I will say, yeah. I mean, yeah. It, the movie gets complicated, and I think it loses a lot of speed on its fastball when it gets complicated and it jams a lot into it and again it looked promising but i think in the end it's kind of flat the only redeeming factor is julianne moore but then again i still can't tell you to go see it i mean i, I can't tell you to see it in theaters i really can't like if you said you know what i'm gonna get drink a bottle of wine get stoned what movie should i see you can go and see this one but i still tell you to go see us <laughs> it is so slow i mean it is so the second so half is plot. It's like one screener is like, I don't know what else to write here. You take the laptop. It's and, like if they filmed every day of our life. Yeah. Like, you know, it's like. It filmed you getting in your car, putting money in the meter, uh, filling up your coffee cup. <laughs> so the movie needed an editor. Yeah. Oh. Changing the pod in your Keurig. Okay, this is what Dan's doing. He's putting the pod in. Oh, wait a minute. He has to get the laundry out. It's just, it's <laughs> not eventful. It's, There's, an, un- it's an episode of Big Brother. Yeah, about yeah. two Afterwards. hours. Well, it's showing, you know, how mundane her life yeah. is and how a romance would really spark it up. And she seems to but like that life. But as, then, as we all know in middle age, you have to be happy with yourself and not, why, and not depend I'm, on that's another why I'm person. I'm so glad I found a great woman. I'm never leaving her. <laughs> Rachel, I'm never leaving you. I don't want this single life. I want no part of it. 
<laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I think if you're a Julianne Moore fanatic, you can go watch this movie. But unless, if not, just save it for DVD. I think it and, should be watched at home when you're when you're well when you're stoned late at night after a whole <laughs> pizza and, and you've already devoured nachos. You like, eat a lot of Gloria pizza. Bell. <laughs> I eat too much pizza. That's why I work out so I can eat pizza. <laughs> but don't you think the AARP crowd? Like I thought, okay, this is perfect for the AARP. It's a perfect crowd. movie for the high point back lot if you love it. If you have to watch it. <laughs> if you have to watch. I just, I just think there's so much out there. Like, I mean, well, Carl and I, Carl and I, we're going to discuss a great movie about Motley Crue. <laughs> and even if you don't like, oh, Motley Crue, they're a rock band, blah blah blah. Talk about doing a lot of weed and drugs. Mm-hmm. But I mean, even that movie is just at least it's fun. This movie is just depressing, and it shouldn't be. Isn't because- this weird that the last? Three weeks, uh, the Netflix movies where you stay home are better than the ones that we've it's, seen in the I'm theaters. You, um, I'm just saying. Uh, Alfonso Cuarón, man, he didn't go there for no reason. And Martin's, Martin yeah. Scorsese, man, just wait for The Irishman to come so, out, which, which is not going to be uh, premiering at, is it Cannes or Cannes Film Festival? Cannes. The Cannes Film Festival. It's not oh, going to be premiering the, there. The Cannes Film Festival is a thing that they do yeah. at the theaters in, the, yeah. in December. So do you want me to talk about the wedding guest or you guys want to? Yeah, you talk about the okay. wedding guest. And, I, it and won't, Carl it won't and I will long. finish strong well, yes, with the yes. dirt. With the dirt. That's what I thought. Then you guys can have a Lollapalooza. Because, because Carl and I are heavy dreamers. Metal. Mm. Heavy metal. Um, okay, the wedding guest is based on the Jonathan no, Kellerman uh, suspense <laughs> thriller bestseller. And it stars Dev Patel, and we have seen him in the last ten years. He he's gr- matured he into quite a fine actor. Yeah, because Slumdog Millionaire, and then he went to Best Exotic Marigold Hotel, and he was on the newsroom for three years. Yes, he was really good in that. He didn't have a showy role, but he was good. Well, he's it was an ensemble piece. Good. He's always yeah. good. And then he's taken on more mature. He was in. Uh, he was a the mathematician in a really good movie whose name escapes me right now. And also, he was Oscar nominated for Lion. And this is Very his follow up. So he's doing The Wedding Guest, and then he's in Hotel Mumbai next week. He is. He's so a busy dude. In this one, he is a man of mystery. He is a British Muslim, and he's a gun for hire. And he kidnaps this woman. And it's very complicated plot. And you're kept in the dark, which is probably one of the reasons why this is is just good, not great, because you're on the outside looking in. They keep you in the dark a lot. And so because he's so mysterious and a man of few words, takes a while to get your bearings. But Michael Winterbottom uh, directed this, and he directed those really uh, interesting movies with Steve Coogan, The Trip, The Trip to Italy, all those. Okay, yeah. They're like travelogues. Uh So this movie basically is a beautiful travelogue through Pakistan and India. It's very visually stunning. And uh, the woman, her name is Radiki Apta, and she is gorgeous. And she and Dev Patel have fabulous chemistry. So you keep waiting for them to, you know, because... She's the kidnapped person, but she's in on this deal. Like, he's getting her for a reason because she's engaged to this other guy, and there's something about stolen jewels. And it's like, is it a heist movie? No, it's it's very. It's, it's, It's people that are double crossing each other and betrayal. And I don't really know the initial point of why he's. You know why he's got he's her. a contract killer. Well, she's supposed to get married. Mm-hmm. 
and he kidnaps because that's why I call the wedding guest. Yeah. But there's no wedding in this at all. And so her fiance shady. They've got she and the fiance have stolen jewels, which mm. is basically why he kidnapped so, her. But he's not going to kill her. But, but maybe he will. Well, hold on. If he's a contract killer, why would he move into kidnapping? Uh, it, it's about these jewels okay, and uh, the the other fiance I, I don't guy. Understand. Yeah, I don't know. I think all, he's in all on the movie it. on IMDb says a story centered on a mysterious British Muslim man on his journey across Pakistan, India. That's all they tell you. Okay. Yeah, and so uh, fans of the book, fans of Jonathan Count would know this, but I was kind of off guard. Like I was like, wait a minute. He's like he and the woman have to uh, be in a hotel room together and they're on this journey and she seems helpful. But then she says to him at this one point, it's really film noirish. Can I trust you? And he goes, no, no. It seems like the the poster is kind of misleading. It just has him in a very broading, striking look. Looking out, are they selling this off as a thriller? Is it ill-advised? Yeah, yeah, but it—I mean, it doesn't move that much. But you know, he's—he's he's one of these guys, a man of few words, very stoic. But he's—he's he's also very cynical, just like a film noir. They're very cynical because what they have to do, he's very jaded and everything. But this girl is really uh, something, and so you can see that they're eventually they have this attraction to each other. However, she's still engaged to this other dude, and blah blah hmm. blah, kind of like the getaway. Uh, you know, kind of like yeah. that. Sort of, so it's Which a- version of The Getaway? <laughs> I actually enjoyed the remake. That was Alec Baldwin. I enjoyed it. My, my, Michael Madsen's in it, so I had to enjoy Ooh, it. The, uh, the Ally McGraw, Steve McQueen, punch it, punch it, punch it, where uh, where they fell in love and got married. Oh. But uh, but anyway, it's, it's one of those where it's very mysterious, but then you can't trust anybody. Hmm. Well, here's the big question: Should people see this in theaters or not? They can wait. They can wait at yeah. home. It's a it's a home movie, unless you really, really, really okay. want to see a travel. Two cups of coffee out of four. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and 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 Dev is very good. I think I think he's very interesting. Now, I think uh, he's quite matured. Should we put Julianne Moore's character from that movie and his, his character from this movie yeah. in a movie together? I want to see more from him. You know, he's he doesn't work that much. No, he, well, he seems to work, and then he kind of seems he works a lot, and then he takes a little bit of time off. But, yeah, uh, so, but no, he's he's one of those that he's always engaging. It's just, you know, you have trouble when a character doesn't talk much, and yeah. you don't really know what's going on. And But there's this one scene at this palace where they're in a swimming pool. I'll just leave it at that. It's kind of nice. Nice, huh? Okay, but yeah, they're very steamy together. Let's put it like that. Which one, Which movie has more nudity? Oh, God. Um, I think Gloria Bell. Yeah, I she's think Gloria pretty much Bell. naked about half the movie. All right. Yeah. Good lucky, to know. <laughs> lucky John. <laughs> you asked. Yeah, but I, I don't know. I haven't seen The Wedding Guest, but Julianne Moore is very is very open about and, and easy about being nude. I mean, she just sits there. It's not even when they're making love. She just sits in the bed. Shortcuts. Topless. Yeah, she likes being naked. Shortcuts. She, yeah, well, what was the, <laughs> gosh, the, the, and the Boogie Mark Nights. Wahlberg, Boogie mm-hmm. Nights, yeah. Yeah, well, uh, it's interesting because she and John Turturro were in Big Lebowski, but they, they didn't share any scenes together. Nope. And then Lupita Nyong'o and Winston Duke are in Black Panther. Jesus. That's a good role. So. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's it's one of those things where you're just, I mean, again, Gloria Bell, I guess you have to be a Julianne Moore fanatic to watch it. But even then, I would just say, just wait. It's a movie I think can be consumed at home just as easily. Instead of theater prices and concessions and tickets, I don't think it's worth that. 
And now we're going to crank it up to 11. Damn right we are. Because the boys are going to talk about heavy metal. Motley Carl, you you lead in. You're the the music uh, fanatic. Let me... A friend of mine is a very big fan of Motley Crue. (laughs) I sent him a text. In the first two minutes of The Dirt... They say the F word four times. There's cocaine, drinking, and marijuana use with a bong. Top and near bottom nudity, two different women, two sex scenes, one oral, one from behind, and then then I, I, I don't know what I'm going to say about that last part that ends the first two minutes. You just have to see it. And that sets the tone for the whole movie. If that offends you, but it, it's not—it's not just all that. But that's—that is the tone that uh, sets for the film because it's the story of Motley Crue in 1981 in Los Angeles when they started out. And they, this movie is going to be compared to Bohemian Rhapsody and Rocket it Man, is. and it shouldn't be because they are in on the joke. Molly Crew, just like Bohemian Rhapsody, the members of the band, they it's based on their autobiography called The Dirt yeah. that they wrote. It was a New York Times bestseller. With Neil Strauss. Yeah. With Neil Strauss. And he, they adapted, they first of all said the movie could never be adapted. And for good reason, because there's just a lot of stuff. And like Bohemian Rhapsody, since they're involved, I actually think they make themselves look a lot better than the things that actually happen. They still make it, they still have a lot of low points in their lives. Mick has uh, got the bone disease. Mm-hmm. Nikki's got the whole heroin Vince thing. Neil loses Vince Neil Well, Vince Neal's got two things. He had, uh, his daughter died of cancer and he committed vehicular manslaughter. He did. And it's a very traumatic moment in the movie. Yes. And they introduced it. <laughs> There's only two dates that they give that are like actual dates yeah. in the film. They just say 1981. And then they have the date that Vince killed somebody and they have the uh, day that Nikki almost died. And the weird thing about Tommy Lee is they do not discuss Pamela Anderson at all. The movie kind of stops in 1997. They had already been married for two years. Yeah. They do not mention her at all. He says the love of his life is Heather Locklear. Yes, and that's the one, that's the one that they talk about. They don't talk about him and the sex tape or anything with Pamela Anderson Lee at all, the, the which I thing, was found very the weird. The good thing about this movie is they make you feel every emotion, especially when these guys are playing. Mm-hmm. And this movie, unlike Bohemian Rhapsody, is about the people. It's not just about the songs. The live performances are, are good, but I mean, it's 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 one guy. It's not it's not Machine Gun Kelly doing the singing. No. Well, you, oh, well, first of all, he's uh, yeah. playing. He's playing Tommy Lee, by the way. He's the only American that is the rest. <laughs> one guy is. Of like an Australian children's actor, he did a Doctor Who yeah. canine. Daniel Weber plays Vince Neil, and you have, of course, as I said earlier, Ramsey Bolton playing Mick Mars. Mick, he actually makes Mick Mars look really good. Mick Mars did not look that no, good. No, he's not. But uh, but I, I I like Tommy Lee. I love the part of the movie where he takes you through an average day of a, of a rock right. star on the road. How Wake they get up, up at five, at 5 p.m. p.m. You're handcuffed for the bed. You go down. You start drinking. You play a performance afterwards. You hit this bar. You hit the strip club. You drink, 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 and then your manager knocks you out and handcuffs you back to the bed. 
perhaps Tommy Lee has some sort of NDA from the divorce and all the horrible stuff uh, with yeah, Pamela Anderson. I don't, I don't know and about And maybe or some sort of settlement that he couldn't talk about it because that does seem like it's very uh, thing, especially they had, didn't they have the biggest sex tapes? I mean, yes. I do think this movie, the, it's the first big stolen I mean, sex tape before like Paris Hilton. I or, mean, uh, my children downloaded that illegally and I had to give them a lecture. I mean, the cool thing about this movie is it entertains and informs you. I, I didn't mm-hmm. know much about Motley Crue outside. Of I knew everything. Music. I knew all the stories. Yeah, I mean, and this movie, it it doesn't really breeze over the ugly parts. You, you see, but every I still think they're making they themselves get. look better than they actually they are. And you of course, should, you see, Tommy has an anger problem. You see yeah. him hit a woman, but you also they I think they toned that down. Probably she goads him into hitting her. Yeah, and I he has a very violent history did um do they show heather locklear as a character yeah yes they do okay. and ozzy osbourne is a character scenes. ozzy osbourne Oz- has one of the best cameos next to an actor playing him of course but right. next to a pool where he does every crazy thing you can right possibly because he's trying to of. show these young kids that they are not all that not. it's the actor that played jack the Bla- jack black character on the tv version on nickelodeon of school of rock oh okay yeah that's who He's great. I mean, I, the movie, again, I, I really enjoyed it. I mean, I left humming the tracks. I think that they did a good job of showing us who these guys were, not just on the stage, but who they were off the stage. I really got to know them in this movie. Well, and, remind everybody of their big hits. Well, uh, oh, my favorite album is Dr. Feelgood, which is one yeah. you find out. They, the album before that, Girls, Girls, they go from Theater of Pain to Dr. Feelgood they gloss over, even though they play the song Girls, 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 they gloss over that period of time because they don't remember making the album. Oh, God. They, they were all so messed up on drugs, they don't rem- there's There's no stories about it because they just, and then they were on endless tour, and then... They were here in St. Louis. In fact, I put that on my Instagram, underscore Carly yeah. Intern. You can, they, there was a show. They just you know scheduled it on uh, November 23rd, 1989. That was Thanksgiving. And so I had to leave my grandmother's house. Honey, where are you going? Oh, I'm going to a concert. They actually moved it back. It was supposed to start at 8. They moved it back to 9 because they wanted people to spend time with their families. And, honey, where are you going? Oh, I'm going to see Motley Crue. Thanks, Grandma. I, yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I love Kickstart My Heart. I love Wild Side. I mean, there's a well, lot of different Well, it starts songs. off with uh, PC Reaction. They starts off with Live Wire. They start with the beginning. They kind of speed through some stuff, but they tell you that, too. And they said, uh, they'll, they wink at you, you know. They're very in on the joke. They're very in on the joke. Like with Bohemian Rhapsody, stuff's out of order, and they, they straight wash, and they do all that. This, they look at the camera, and they say... That didn't happen. It's yeah. we just did this for the movie. And, and the best thing, was, the best thing is, was where Mick Mars goes, blah blah, man, man. Yeah, <laughs> dad. It, it's just like you have to understand these guys were so drugged up and boozed up. They probably don't really have all the facts straight, so they're gonna let you know that. And they say that at the very end of the film, even though this is based on true story, some of these things it's were fiction. The book they wrote. Yes, the, the <laughs> book they wrote. It's just funny, and they use the voiceover, but they all do the voiceover. Right, all it's four not of them. Just, well, if it had just been. Nikki Six, it would 
have been a little bit formulaic the mm-hmm. way they do that, but all of them just kind of talk to the camera and go, it's like Tommy Lee, where Machine Gun Kelly goes, look, you, you want to know what a life on the road's like? Here it is. Mm-hmm. And he's like, here I am. I'm spinning in a cage, and I'm playing the drums, and I'm throwing <laughs> up on, on a stripper. It's just they really take mm-hmm. you into life. If you want to know what it's like to be a rock star, watch The Dirt. And Slash makes an appearance, too. Slash. Oh, wow. Well, kind of. The act. Big Mars Slack. looks like Slash if he was like Samuel L. Jackson's character in Unbreakable. He just, <laughs> just, he just, I mean, when Mick Mars walks, it just made me hurt because he's got that bone condition. Oh, and well, uh, go ahead. Also, like Bohemian Rhapsody, there's a Saturday Night Live player who is weird. It, it, Pete Davidson is acting. He can't act. I actually didn't mind him, being, but, but because I, was, I knew he was Pete Davidson. Right. He's he's he he's not acting. He's like he's. In a sketch. And, if, and people that love Billions, David Constable plays their manager, Doc. He's great in this show. He Which plays... is a composite of both of their managers. And they even talk about that. They say, yeah. hey, for the purpose of the... Actually, this we have guy, two this managers. Guy really... This guy, <laughs> for, for the movie, we're going to combine them into one guy. I just like the way they, they're in on the... You know, they know they can't really tell you everything straight. So they go, look, we're rockers. We did a lot of drugs. Things are going to be distorted. And, but they do it great. It and then if... It is. It's That's so how much a lot fun. of these movies should be done. It's really well made. I'm, I'm, like, I'm a big uh, fan. Unless you have Oliver Stone directing Val Kilmer, you're going to have to have some fun with it. You're, you're mm-hmm. just, just going to have to. Because the thing is, if you try to act all serious, you know, you, you, you may get popular and you may get nominated for an Oscar. People are going to hate you for it. <laughs> <laughs> well, after Spinal Tap, I just think mm-hmm. now the whole rock and roll thing. And the is director, such a cliche, so previous you go. film was was uh, Grandpa's. <laughs> is the Johnny Knoxville thing? I, I, oh, I uh, what it is? Bad, bad Grandpa. Grandpa. Bad Grandpa. That was his last movie, and now he's doing a movie about Motley Crue. So good for you. And so you'll be humming "Home Sweet Home." You will. As they didn't, they did not, good. they you'll, did not put. Over it. They do, they do have. They created four songs for the soundtrack. But they didn't. They only feature one of them, which is the Dirt, which has Machine Gun Kelly not rapping, kind of singing along with Vince. Yeah. But so they do not have their version of uh, "Like a Virgin" by Madonna, which is on the soundtrack, but not in the movie. I'm like, this. It would have been great if they would have done that. Yeah. And it's not really. It's a combination of an actor singing. It's not really good lip sync either. And the credits are pretty good because you get to see the real band uh, mm-hmm. interacting with the actors. You see. Uh, Machine Gun Kelly going to a trailer, and then Tommy Lee comes out. Yeah. It's just kind of fun. I mean, I, I just think this movie, it doesn't take itself too seriously, no. and it's very informative, and I think it entertains the crap out of you. I mean, I left wanting to get a Greatest Hits album. I wanted to listen to these guys, because they were kind of like... It's a double disc The version. best part of the movie is where Nikki Six goes, look at us, you know, I'm a runaway, you have this bone disease, you're an old man, mm-hmm. you're a very young drummer. I mean, he just goes across the whole band. Like, they weren't supposed to be rockers, but they fought their way into the industry, and they just had this talent, and, and they, they wouldn't go away. Does it show the backstory, how they got together? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it's very, I mean, and look, these guys, that they had every kind of obstacle. Uh, heroin abuse for Nikki Six. Um, you know, if I mean, you're Tommy, uncomfortable with needles, you will not. Yes, care for they it. don't really, they don't really go edge around that at all. When now, it comes were they, to that. they what were one of the staples of the Headbangers Ball, right? Yeah, Back in they the, were eighties. Yeah, eighties, yeah. okay. and really, I, I can't then, believe when they said at the end how long they played. I, well, yeah, I, I didn't know that. 2015, they uh, they decided they would never perform live again. 
But they didn't say that they wouldn't create more music. They just said they one of the never... best parts is at the end credits is where they show the the split screen and mm-hmm. they show them walking down the hallway, the the actors, and they show the real band. Mm-hmm. It's very striking. I mean, it's very similar the way they they cast this movie. I, I enjoyed the dirt very much, and I said I said on Max on movies, I said on the air that I didn't I, that Motley Crue does not have a really solid album. That's not true. I said that because they're basically a singles band now, yeah. and they, they have like one enough singles for a one album. But I I want to take that back. I want I think that Doctor Feel Good from start to finish is a great album. For, they're probably their best album. But a lot of people like Shout at the Devil, and they like their first album. I just think it depends on why. I, I think there's a lot of good stuff, and and when I walked away from this movie, I went to I went to listen to all of it. It really gets you going. They even talk about when John Karabi joined the band for a little while, and they make yes. John Karabi happy. He's just happy to be anywhere, <laughs> and they don't trash him, and they but they never say how they actually got rid of him either. They, it's just, it's just it's some just some things are just glossed over, and Wasn't that's okay. It, didn't Tommy Lee do a reality show back in the yeah? Mid- Tommy goes to college. Yeah. Yeah. Tommy Lee goes to college on NBC. Yeah. And they do not talk about his giant penis, which is weird. There's a lot of nudity. If everything I said that's in the first two minutes, they they don't talk about – if you're offended by nudity or drug use or language, this movie might not be for you. But I I had a good time. But then I knew all that stuff already. Being in rock radio for so long, I – and I remember our parents, no Motley Crue. In the early 80s, I had they friends, like the, Motley Crue. They, they, they were like the American version band of the Rolling Stones. Everybody in Britain was like, no, you don't listen to these guys. Mm, now in America, they're like, don't well, listen to Motley wasn't Crue. Wasn't that when the, the, the lyrics, the parental guy advisory was on the album? Yeah, but and... the, their lyrics are clean. Which it's so, it's yeah. the, It was the devil imagery. They weren't, they weren't clean the way they right, did their lives, right. but their, their rock and roll was, it was it, I think it lives on decades later. I mean, here we are. We're approaching, what, but 40 years later here in 2021. So I think this movie, if you know nothing about Motley Crue, you should watch it. You'll learn it. And also, if you love Motley Crue, like like Carl, you'll love it too. I think this movie, if if there is stuff glossed over, it's because these guys did a lot of drugs. Stuff's going to fall out of their heads. So, um, (laughs) But it is is very entertaining and very fun. And it, it does connect you to the emotion of the music without having to mess with facts. Yeah, I enjoyed like, it. Oh, good. Well, rock and roll. Oh man, Ooh, it's so okay. good. So now we're going on to the DVDs. We have two that uh, are super popular movies: uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse and Get it. Mary Poppins Returns. Yeah. So let's talk see about them both. And, yeah. and if you haven't watched one Spider-Man movie, good for you. Watch this one. Oh, it's fabulous! It's just so in. I mean, Homecoming's great, but I think this movie you can walk into a completely clean right. and dry. And really, just get all the all the references, all and the they pop tell you references. they they walk you they through do, everything. They walk you through it, and I think that Jake Johnson does a good job voicing. There's a lot of good voice work in the movie. Oh yeah, John Mulaney. Mulaney. Yeah, yeah, Mulaney is it's the just, it's pace very pace. it's very smart. Is the one where I would kind of use to describe mm-hmm. the Spider Man. Yeah. It was well deserved, well deserved Oscar and a great soundtrack animation. too. Yeah, it cleaned up all the year end awards, mm-hmm. including St. Louis Film Critics, and it also uh, won the. Oscar Oscar, but also won um, uh, the Hearts of America because it it pulled in tons of box office. And I think that I'm going to say that there's almost too much of Lin Manuel 
in Mary Poppins Returns. Almost. I didn't and I, watch it, he's so one I'm of my watch it. okay. He's one of my heroes, and I was disappointed because his Cockney accent was not good. And is it as uh, bad as Nicolas Cage's and Captain Marilyn's? Well, it's Mandolin. probably as bad as. Uh, Dick Van Dyke's in the original Mary Poppins. Yes, it oh, was. Man. It was too too much. Um, my beef on this, and I, uh, I still enjoy the movie. I, I it's a worthy successor. Emily Mortimer is great. Emily Blunt has a no thanks job. Yes, she is, but she pulls it off. She's so adorable. I I'm a big fan of Emily Blunt, and I love her and everything. Um, what I okay, so I was at the original because again, you know, I'm old, mm. and that was the first soundtrack I ever bought with my own money. And uh, my sister and I played the hell out of that. Feed the and birds. I, it's a high bar. That music is a high bar. And I don't think the music in this lives up to the original. However, there is some, there is some nice little moments. And the special effects, the visual effects, lost are things, wonderful. The poor brother. What's it, Ben Wishaw? Oh yeah. my God, what a sad sack! This is <laughs> he this does is, drag down. Oh, the he was story. a sad guy in Cloud Atlas too. Oh, my but, gosh! But his poor children. Okay, so he's oh, let's let's back it up. We got Jane and Michael Banks. Yeah, Jane and Michael are now grown up and they have uh, complicated lives like all adults. And uh, uh, their uh, parents Michael, are dead. Yeah, their parents are dead. Michael Banks is a widower, and he's got these adorable kids, and then. Meanie banker Colin Firth, which I didn't buy for a second. Make Colin Firth the 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 uh, villain. Mm, yes. He's he's the mean old banker, and he makes Michael uh, pay off his his uh, note for his house, which you can't do because isn't he like some failed author? I can't remember what his character is, but it's he's not mm. making any money. So in comes in glides Mary Poppins from the sky, and she's going to get their house all ship shaped. And she's adorable, and, and I, it's very I, Mary Poppins. I love the fact that they did not try to hook up Lin Manuel's character with Mary Poppins like they <laughs> did with because like the Bert and Mary Poppins thing was always ambiguous. Like a cop out yeah. if they did that. but no, but they hook her up with Jane. They hook him up with Jane. So. Yeah. There's a love story still. Okay, and you know, I mean, again, he's one of my heroes. I love that man. And I just, I did not like the whole lamplighter thing. I thought that was just a reach, you know. But it's still fun. Yeah. It's a no thanks. Doing it, Yeah, the bar Explain is very that. high. What do you mean by no thanks? I'm it, not she can't, that. she can't, she's never going to be compared fairly to Julie Andrews. Right. She's not, she's not Julie no. Andrews. The, it's the like, original. It's like whoever plays, I guess, the Joker next. Right. Yeah. Well, no, because I I thought I every version of the Joker is a little bit different, and some people like, like Jack Nicholson's not as good as mine. But nobody but, likes Jared Leto's version. But not I'm even saying, Jared Leto. <laughs> but, but I will say, Joaquin. Okay, maybe I take that back. Joaquin Phoenix could do yes, something different with yes. it. But I, I know Hopefully. what you say. So she she was she was up against it right. by the time the movie started. That's why she didn't get nominated for an Academy Award. For that, Quiet because she's place. not. No, well, she didn't get nominated for either of the movies. Well, she should have been. Because, oh, I spoke. I'm done. I'm dead. So, yeah. Well, I, that that scene where the kids are in the bathtub, but it is and they go, scene, and they go right? into Yes, the, I the, I enjoyed yeah. it immensely. Oh, I think and they're going into the fantasy scene. That's mm-hmm. wonderful. And the balloons. So when you say no thanks, but she's still good in the role. She's though. great, and she's, the kids are adorable. Yeah, don't you think? Yeah, they are. Well, and then there's the cameo kids. at the end that Julie Andrews totally should have done, but the person that they have is adequate yeah it's a worthwhile replacement and i love the fact that they chose her but julie andrews could have done it and she just said i 
it's that wouldn't be fair to Emily Blunt. And I I agree. I, think I see where she's coming from, but she would have been that would have been that would have been the icing. Much that would have been the cherry on top. It would have been wonderful because kind of been like Dick, I guess even on a great movie with the way that Ruth Bader Ginsburg showed up just a little bit at the end of uh, mm, no that kind of was I don't know maybe maybe so no, the movie but wasn't Dick good. Dick Van Dyke shows up. Dick Van Dyke was yes. good with an and, army and tap dance and well not really tap dance but yeah he tam- tap dances he, he, on a table yeah. and that playing but, the son of the person that he played in the first movie, which is. Also great. Yeah. So yeah. There you go. Two good picks on, on, on Redbox. There, there's some Easter there's some Easter eggs and Emily and uh, the original Jane Banks is in it. Yes. They call her uh, she's what she's the one walking down the street as they're they're walking and she's she says something to them. She you it's like, wow, who is that? That's who she is. Because it's it's kind of just weird. She talks to them as they're walking down the street. Is she's uh, important lady on corner? That's what they. That's what her title is in the movie, or something like well, that. Well, if you read the original Mary Poppins, she's kind of mean. Yeah, Mary Poppins she's, is a bitch. Yeah, the the books are not what that happy Disney no. movie is, as Disneyized as everything and is. And Pale Travers was not, as you see with Saving Mr. Be a Banks. Disney eyes. Disney eyes. Disney. You've been Disney eyes. Well, yeah, because all the fairy tales, if you go back, the fairy tales are not. That's why they're called grim. <laughs> That's where that word came from, grim. Because in Cinderella, she gets, the people are getting part of their feet uh, sliced mm-hmm. off to fit in the shoe. Ooh, yeah, not bibbidi-bobbidi-boo. No. <laughs> so, yeah. So, that's our take on the DVDs. And now we've got. We've got tons of news. We news. we are news junkies, and we follow what's happening in film, and we're going to bring it to you right now. So let's talk about James Gunn being rehired by Disney. This is a, this is a great thing. I, I think last July when he was fired for very very old tweets, the timing of firing him was very suspect. Unless you follow the political world. Um, I think that him being back on Guardians is great. I don't think he ever should have been fired in the first place. No, because that's his vision. He wrote and directed it, and he's the one that put all the cool and the music cast in. Stood by him and, and, and oh, again, I, I think the movie wouldn't be made if, if he didn't. Dave Batista was very vocal about yes. that. But let's back up a minute. He is a St. Louis boy. He's from a family of Irish Catholic lawyers. Yes, our, our yeah. own Kevin Brackett saw him at uh, he saw him at Chesterfield Marcus Theater. And right. I, and I he, talked to Sean. Sean had br- his brother. Yes. Gilmore Girls, and and he's also in the Guardians of the Galaxy yes, movies he as is. well. And actually, he is the stand-in for Rocket because Bradley Cooper like spends three days doing yeah, ADR work, be on there. which is he just stands in front of the microphone. Bradley Cooper's never there, so Sean Gunn is the replacement for Rocket, which is he says is very fun. Dual roles for Sean Gunn, mm-hmm. but and, again, and, I, I think even though Guardians of the Galaxy two wasn't as good as the first one, in my no. opinion. I still think it was a fun movie. It, it had a lot packed into it, and it left a lot wanting to be continued with these guys and, and, and Gal, Mrs. Zoe Zaldana. But uh, I, I just think that, you know, look, nobody's perfect. I mean, I, I think that game, James Gunn came out and said sorry over and over again. Uh-huh. He said it, it, it was amateur hour with him on Twitter being an aspiring filmmaker and comedian. I just think that some things you just got to, you know, I don't think you deserve to lose his job. I well, not for 10-year-old ten, uh, ten tweets. I think that, and people are comparing 
this to Roseanne. Well, how come Roseanne? Roseanne was unrepentant. <laughs> she did not she didn't say, take anything. And back. this, and it wasn't from ten years ago. It was current day. And then she doubled yeah. down on it. And she's like, That's ah. the thing. If, if you say something now and you say something controversial, the next day you could lose your job. Oh but, yeah, we all know this with Twitter. You gotta understand, Marvel vets everybody that they employ. This mm-hmm. was just odd timing. It was something that I guess maybe they wanted to do and then wait. Because, you know, James Gunn's been silent on Twitter until he was rehired. He's the one that broke the news on Twitter that he was yep. back. I just think I, the, oh, I, I, also, I don't know. I also think that at the Disney shareholder meeting, when somebody came up and asked a politically charged question to Bob Iger, I think that might have been the final straw that they were done with all this because it was very politically charged. And Iger shut the guy down and said, hey, this – that's the the whole thing about the, the blackface with Joy Behar and Jimmy Kimmel. Oh, and so then a week later, they make their reversal on this. I think that Disney's just tired of people calling people out. Trolling. Well, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. And this guy, this guy made a concerted effort to go back Jamie Gunn. I follow him on Twitter, or I did. And uh, he was very politically motivated. And if you don't believe in his politics, then of course you're going to go after him. And this uh, this uh, right wing, uh, uh, like, mil- uh, like, I wouldn't say militia, but a very... No, it was one guy. Yeah. And he went after him. And I just think... But it was... The Pizzagate guy that did it. Yes. And aren't we all better people 10 years later? And I think social media is one of those. In the early days, people didn't know how to navigate it. And some people um, lose everything from social media and some people are given a pass. And I think that Jamie Gunn gets a second chance and he should. Now, they were still going to use his original script for Guardians 3. They were still going to use his script. Now he can... Now he can tweak it. <laughs> yes, because I he just think involved. he's such he an can inventive. Go, Let me watch Infinity War first, and then I'll kind of map this out. He's such a he's such an innovative type filmmaker. He's got a great sense of humor. If you like his sense of humor, mm-hmm. which I do, and he has he he's is, the first he's, one that really brought the sense of humor to more. Even though Iron Man had had that tone, right. and Ragnarok. Kind of, kind of oh, borrowed that that tone. That's so great. Ragnarok you know, is the best. It, Thor it is. Movie. It really is arguably right up there in the top three of Marvel movies. But well, I think it's that, the best Thor movie. It is. Oh, easily. Oh, gosh. Yeah. yeah. But, but I think yeah, I think he took the he thing gave, from that. James Gunn gave Marvel a license to be very funny and also be entertaining and move the story along at the same time. Right. And he's a font of pop culture. So he, you know, put yeah, he puts everything in the, in the blend, you know, in the blender. Um, he went to Slew High, so he's part of that Slew High. Mafia yeah. that all got into film, and uh, he began with the with the Trova films. Yes, so he uh, uh, you know learned his craft, and he started in horror. And I wouldn't say necessarily all his films are, you know, that good, but it shows a progression. <laughs> and I think the way, what I liked about uh, Guardians 2 was how you could tell that they were bonded as a family now. That was more family, little yeah, there was more. And, and, there was more scenes with them and not just action. Right. And you could tell, you know, and, and I think that that And we found out that Peter Quill's from Missouri. <laughs> oh, those two Jerry Queens. Oh, Jamie Gunn also puts his parents in um, in all his movies, and so they're in the the second Dairy Queen scene. Huh? Yeah, I did not know. Yeah, that. and they come they come to the screens. Jenna Fisher's mom comes to her screenings. So um, yeah, and he was married to Jenna Fisher, but apparently for a very 
yeah. and they, they're still friends. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, they get along very well. Well, you know, that's a good that's a good thing. So anyway, that's our good news. And then Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure uh, is going to have a sequel, Face the Music. Yes, and it's going to be the third one. I'm very curious about how they're going to, because Rufus, George Carlin has passed, and so that he was in the first two, and I'm wondering how they're going to handle that. Is Rufus being reassigned has because Rufus was an immortal <laughs> he can't die and so another St. Louisan is in this and Keanu's he's all in yeah yeah Alex Winter is uh, from St. Louis yes Bill Esquire Bill Preston oh. Esquire. Yes, William, I guess William. William. Preston. William. Is it William S. Preston yeah. Esquire? William yeah. S. Preston and Theodore uh, Logan. I don't remember. It's Bill and Ted. Yeah, I haven't seen them since they actually came out. Well, I saw it a couple of years ago at a, at a midnight screening at the St. Louis Film Festival because Alex Winter came home to get an award. He grew up here. Mm-hmm. His dad taught taught dance at. Washington U. Okay. And, or, oh, is it, and I think art, somebody's art, maybe his mom's art teacher. Anyway, he was very, he was from a very artistic family. Mm -hmm. So he got in film early and he had the best stories. It was one of my favorite interviews. He now makes documentaries and he was, he got okayed by the Zappa family to do a documentary. So I don't know where that is, but. Now is it on, is it going to be on Frank (laughs) or is it going to be like Dweezil and Moon Unit? Yeah, um, it's going to be on Frank. Okay, good. But he got the blessing of the family. He got the okay from the kids to do it. So anyway, Alex uh, was the special guest at the Midnight Film, and he told the best Bill and Ted stories. So I'd like to share a couple of those just because they're so funny. Go ahead. Um, He... And Keanu bonded during the film, except he said, really funny, he said that Keanu was really concerned about his hair. So the guy who played Napoleon, Terry, what's his last name? He's the same Weekend at Bernie's dude, and he's from Mount Vernon, Illinois. Really? What's his name? But anyway, he kept messing with Keanu's hair because, you know, it was a very low-budget movie. So they were all in the car together, and they had to make do. He kept talking about how they were very— Camillary? He said that they made, um, they had to make do with uh, what they had. Mm -hmm. So they would be. That's why their time traveling machine was a phone booth. Yes, yeah. And so they would be in this car for long periods of time. And so they all, you know, would be joking and everything. But anyway, he said that the, the original film company went bankrupt. And so it was in sort of these sales. And then it got bought by somebody. Somebody bought the vault. Mm-hmm. And Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure was in there. So it was released about three years after they made the film. Oh, wow. But Alex and Keanu did not know this. Oh. So the movie comes out this one Friday night, and Alex is down in Dallas filming something. And he runs into a diner to use a payphone, because that's what we did back then. Right. And... Everybody in the diner is staring at him because it's a Friday night after nine and people have seen this movie. Mm -hmm. And he just kind of backs out. And he calls Keanu up and he goes, hey. uh, I think they released our movie. (laughs) Yeah. Have you you gone outside? 
And, you know, have you gone outside? And Keanu goes, yeah. And and he goes, is it weird? And he goes, yeah. <laughs> and so they compared notes. And so they found out that the movie had been released. And so the next week, they're sitting, their their likenesses are sitting on a pile of money on in Variety. And their lives were forever changed after that. They couldn't necessarily go out in public nope. and, uh, and be like that. So uh, we were talking about Keanu because he was filming Wicks, uh, John Wick's 2 when Alex was in St. Louis. And I was telling him that Point Break is a movie that no matter when it's on TV, I will just watch it. Really? And you're just flipping. Oh, it's just so great. The original. Yeah, yeah the the original Point Break. Oh, yeah, not that remake. Oh, my God. So this is the original one when, when Keanu's the FBI agent. Yes, with... <laughs> With Gary Busey. It's Gary Busey, and also you have Patrick. Mr. Dirty Dancing, Patrick yeah. Swayze. Yes, with his all blonde hair and everything. Ugh, Directed by Kat. so bad. I know, but it's such cheesy, guilty pleasure. He jumps and, out of an airplane without a parachute. I know, and Catherine Bigelow directed it, and, and it's just hilarious, especially Gary Busey. So I was telling Alex that every time, you know, that I was a big fan of Keanu, and that every time I watch Point Break. So Alex did his Keanu impression and he goes, Whoa! No, he didn't do that. He goes, Stop, FBI. <laughs> <laughs> that movie's so bad. I, know. So anyway, I have a friend good. of mine that, that's his favorite movie. And I'm like, oh. Why? Oh, which he one? He just loves it. Point Break. I, I enjoy Point Break. But is it somebody's? Is it? No. Do you know has somebody's he, favorite movie? Has he I seen love the Godfather. In that movie. Has he seen other Cody. movies? <laughs> yeah. Has he seen the Godfather? Patrick Swayze is just Field of Dreams. Oh yeah, I love. And him. also, I did leave that movie really, really wanting two chili dogs. Thanks, Gary Busey. <laughs> <laughs> but Gary you know, Busey speaking of speaking of that, hey, John Wick. Give me two. John Wick Chapter Three. They just released that trailer. Parabellum today. Yes, this morning. More mayhem. There is a scene, I think it's going to be the action scene, maybe one of the best scenes of the year for the year-end awards for the St. Louis Film Critics, is where John Wick is fending people off riding a horse. That he has knives, he's got <laughs> guns. It's just people, you know, this movie was directed by a, by Keanu Reeves' stunt double from The Matrix. They lean into their action choreography. I think these movies are outrageous, and they're great. And John Wick 3, with Halle Berry and... Uh, Asia Dillon uh, from Billions is also playing a very bad woman who wants John Wick's head on a plate. There's great casting. Uh, Ian McShane comes back, and I just think, I haven't seen any of them. Um, Do you oh, think I should? Yes, you should. They're great. They're, I know people that love them. They're some of the best action films of the last twenty years. I I I think they're fun. Even if you don't like action films, you have to I do applaud. Like action films. And Keanu Reeves are rediscovering himself right at fifty years old commanding this was without him and the big thing about this movie is he does all of his own stunts not just a lot of them not just a, you know half of them he does all the shooting the fighting and unlike most movies where the camera gets in really close you can't see what's going on in the fight chad Stilitsky pulls the camera back and you see the action fight choreography you see them fighting it's it's never gets old the first one was was, was very good the second one was better in my opinion and third one the way they're doing it they're just producing more exhilarating action. So if you haven't seen them, you need to watch Do people them. keep killing his dogs? Uh, they, they did start with the killing of a dog, and they stole his car. One of, one of the best scenes in the first movie, 
by the the late Michael Nyquist, who plays the, the mm-hmm. mobster villain oh, in the first film. Uh, uh, girl, the dragon tattoo. John Leguizamo, uh, who strikes one of his men, uh, strikes his son. He goes, well, why did you strike my son? And Leguizamo goes, well, he stole John Wick's dog uh, car and killed his dog. And the way that Nyquist goes, oh, it's just hilarious. The movie has tongue-in-cheek humor. And yes, you should definitely watch it. Right. It was a very surprising movie. It came out of nowhere right. in October of 14, I think, is where it came out. And, and people, people loved like, it. what is this movie? It's a low-budget action film with Keanu Reeves, who hadn't been doing a lot of movies for a while. And this one, they really create this this world of assassins with John Wick. And every movie, it seems like he's up against it even more and more. And it's just... The humor, though, the tongue-in-cheek humor is kind of what separates it. And the elite, and I will say elite action in this movie. Because it's directed by a stunt court, uh, stunt guy. And he knows how he wants it shot. He does. <laughs> and again, he, you know, he, he said, you know, most of those action scenes are bullshit. So we pull the camera back. And you can see Keanu Reeves kicking a guy, flipping a guy, going to the ground. It's all... It's it, it's like an action opera is what John Wick is. And, nice. And, and then the, the trailers, which the second one released today, it just shows more mayhem. Did that guy that directed John Wick's direct uh, Atomic Blonde? Yes. Cause David that, oh. David Litch. Because the, we all thought he that the did, Atomic Blonde he also did, uh, were so good. He's doing Hobbs and Shaw as well. So See, he's... Max and I have a bet that we declared on the air. Uh, they started making Fast and Furious movies, and so I have to watch all ten of them. But now they're only at nine. It's good stuff. It's only at nine. I will say you could skip two. It's terrible. All it no, is no. I is have to watch Paul all... Walker and Tyrese Gibson going bruh, bro, bruh, bro for two hours. But uh, I, I have to watch trip. all. You have 10. to watch all of them. But 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 Hobbs and Shaw is number nine. Yes. Does that count? Or should I wait until um, they do Fast 9? No, because it's going to be a separate story from the Fast and Furious timeline. They take two characters in... Don't shake your head at me, Lindy. You have to watch <laughs> these movies. If you like The Rock, you should watch them. I have seen the last couple ones, and I just want to say when they started uh, driving cars out of buildings yes. and leaping into the other buildings, that's it's when it a, lost me. I'm like, The what? best movies, I think, are Fast Five and Furious 7. They had a really good send-off to Paul Walker. I did cry at the end death. of that. But I will say that the, the thing about movies is they're outrageous action, but they also do have a good, soulful thing to them. You do it's believe about family. There's a fa- it's about family. Yeah, the family, I, except, I, I did like that. Except you for have the to fact lean that in, into the very over-the-top action. Then Diesel and Dwayne Johnson don't care for each other. They don't, and, oh. and, and that's why you're probably not going to see them in another movie together. It's fine. They, they made eight. They made eight of them. You know, so let them do their little side projects, and then Vin Diesel can play video games and drink protein shakes. So well, will there be a Fast Nine? I think there will be, but it's going to be another year because they're going to get this one out, and then you might see them film it next year, maybe in 2021 when so Vin Diesel's 54. I don't have to watch them all yet. Yeah, and and uh, the last couple ones could have been written by chimps. <laughs> I will say and, I disagree about Furious Seven. It, it, that one was was very good the way they wrapped up the storyline. And they brought with that Paul, home. Yeah, with oh, and I also agree. Statham was the bad guy. Fast and Furious Eight was more like a, a just kind of the greatest hit. That's oh. Fate of the Furious. Fate yeah. of the Furious. Oh, Charlize Theron was a horrible villain. <laughs> horrible. I enjoyed it, but if you're not a Fast and Furious fan, you probably wouldn't like Eight. But I do think. It, it, well, yeah. Think, if you've if you've invested seven movies into it, yeah, you're going to see and, the eighth. And, one. I mean, nothing's going to be as bad as Too Fast, Too Furious, even as bad as that title. So even Fate of the Furious, I think it was great when Statham fought the guy on the plane with the baby. 
It's probably yeah. the best scene in the movie. And the best yeah. stuff in the movie was Statham and Drain the Walk Johnson. They have great chemistry together. Yeah, and Tyrese and who's the other guy when they're all they're all Ludicrous. Re- yeah. They, uh, they're they're great together. Yeah. They're great. Especially when, when, when they're in that in Fury Seven, when they're in that plane and they're on the cars are falling out and they go, Hey, Roman, you ready for this? And Tyrese is freaking out. And again, that's a movie that uses humor. You really laugh with those guys. And and they parachute cars, which I mean, and, and they actually, so but see, Lynn, they parachute real cars. That's a crazy thing. They did real cars. That was not CGI. CGI. Oh, my goodness. But I do say some of their chemistry, but the less Vin Diesel talks, the better. And then, <sighs> <laughs> and then I, I saw the Toy Mark Story Vincent. 4 trailer three uh, weeks ago, but now you all get to see it yeah. with Key and Peele and the reveal of Bo Peep being a badass. Oh. <gasps> Oh, I did see the Key, spork. Keegan-Michael Key, a guy that had a very good Netflix series, which was canceled, Friends from College, but he's uh, he's very funny. He's, he's one of those guys, whatever he's going to be in, I'm going to watch, because he's just... I mean, there's a he's he's in a commercial where, where I think he's, he's funny, too. I don't know. He's he's a funny dude. Yeah, he's in a, um, a movie with Mike Birbiglia about... Yeah. It's an improv troupe, and yeah. he's the one that gets on the, the, like, the SNL show, and they're all super jealous. It's very good. So now it's all come full, full circle. We're back to Key and Peel. Yeah, we are. That's oh, my right. God. But we want to talk about John David Washington, one of our new favorites. Yes. Uh, he's gonna, JD. Yeah, he's going to be in. Denzel's son, the prodigal son, returns in Christopher Nolan's monstrous, untitled, sprawling movie, which I think is going to be going to filming this year, I guess. Well, I don't know. They're still getting that They cast Robert Pattinson yesterday, so they're still gathering the cast. So... You know, when Christopher Nolan does a movie, he takes his time. He makes one about every three or four years. And I think that this is inspired casting. The guy was great in Black Klansman. He's good on the HBO series Ballers. He's just a gonna like his dad, he's very magnetic. He's got a great presence in movies. And I think this is a big step, putting a guy like that right front and center, the hot commodity at the moment. John David Washington, former and, running back for the St. Louis Rams. Yep. Yeah, and his and dad used to come to the game. Practice squad. I know. That's why, like, when I, because I knew him as JD, right? And so at when I was going to Black Clans, I didn't realize it. But then afterwards, you know, it's Denzel's son. Yeah, he does not look just, like his dad in Black Clans. No. just with the way that he, he just in real life when he has it, the look on his face, and when he even when the, the gestures on his face, like, yeah, you're Denzel's kid. Yeah, Elizabeth Dub. Becky's going to be in the movie too. Yes, from Widows. She yes. was great. She was. And also, uh, I'm a big she fan of I'm a I'm, goes, I'm a big fan of Pattinson and just like Kristen Stewart after post Twilight, those two have made wise choices of very yes, in, indie movies. Yeah, Kristen, Kristen Stewart, Stewart is yes. amazing and Everyone craps on her because of Twilight, but she is a great. They actress. were a mo- it was a mo- it's like crapping on somebody for being in a Fast and the Furious film. It's right. money. I mean, it's or being in a Marvel and movie. It, and every it, actor is right. in a Marvel movie. And and look, Jake Gyllenhaal is going to be in the next Spider Man. You know, you know, they, he was good in what was Good Time. Oh, where that's he, what I was going to say. For him and his brother. If you have not seen Good Time, that will change your mind about a Robert that Pattinson. That movie goes forever. all the way. Pedal of the metal to the very end. Did you see that? I did not. We have a screener of it, so <gasps> I definitely. Stuff. So I, I have it at home. He has a blonde <laughs> hair. He's got blonde so beard. So good, and it's so fast, and it's so tense. I mean, it'll seem and you like feel you're just... for the brothers in that movie. Oh. They, they really make you feel it. Oh yeah, and and uh, you need to watch it because it'll change your mind about Robert Pattinson forever. And, and ever. so uh, the next thing is 
We are all big fans of The Sopranos, and there's going to be a Sopranos sequel. Newark. Prequel. 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 It was called The Many Saints of Newark. Now it is being called just Newark. And, and, and I am being told that it's not new Erky Erk, it's work. I mean, I, I know people. Newark. Yeah, Newark. I mean, people get really bad about what you, how you say a name. It's the it's airport Newark. that's not LaGuardia or yeah. JFK. And um, I find the movie, the-, uh, the, <laughs> the prequel has Michael Gandolfini, the late James, James Gandolfini's son, playing Tony mm-hmm. Soprano. Which is it's genius. Got, yeah, Vera, you have the, the look, the way, and uh, Vera Varmiga, John Bernthal. Uh, Alessandro Novola, who mm-hmm. has been in a lot of movies, but kind of been missing a little bit lately. He was in the movie with Rachel Vice and Rachel McAdams, where they kind of uh, they disobedient, had a sexy, sexy time. Yeah, um, it, it's a it's really big deal because the original players, I mean the writers, Alan uh, David Chase is going to write it, and Alan Taylor, who directed a majority of the Sopranos episodes for HBO, is going to direct it. If it wasn't for that, this is like when they brought back. Uh, the, the the creator of Breaking Bad for Better Call Saul. You have to bring back the original creators. Mm-hmm. You can't hand it off to different uh, directors and writers. So that's a big deal. September 2020 is when they're expecting it. Oh, the, hopefully it'll be it'll live John up Bernthal. to the hype. It's going to be worth watching just alone for John yeah, Bernthal. Well, I just hope Your it buddy. lives up to the hype. I'm telling because... you, man, the nose of Hollywood, man. John Bernthal, a.k.a. Well, the Punisher. I will say, when you see John Bernthal in the movie, you assume he's going to be the bad, bad guy. guy. Yeah. So he wasn't in Wind River, and that's what yeah. was so stunning. And, and, and he wasn't in a very small film that wasn't watched enough. It was called Sweet Virginia. He played a, a, rode, a former rodeo rider who basically was a manager at a hotel who runs into a killer. It was a very underseen film in 2018, but it is on Amazon. But the minute I saw him in Sicario, I went, uh-oh. Yeah. Uh oh, and also so, the accountant with uh, Ben Affleck. Yes, yes, that and was a good movie. Too. It, was it was a good movie. It yeah, was. Uh, Kevin again, O'Connor. We're, we're always defending Ben Affleck because he was we, good. I, I mean, know. Hey, I, I just like where he he takes the guys out and then he waves at the old couple. Yeah. So uh, another one, Spielberg is doing his first musical, Not and Netflix. it is a remake <laughs> of West Side Story. The Which land. is a remake of Romeo and Juliet. Right. But the 1961 film. Remake of a remake. Film, of a remake. Uh, fun fact uh, the 1961 film was nominated for 11 Oscars, won 10. Mm-hmm. It is the most awarded movie musical of all and time. I, I know it because I watched Silver Lying's playbook and that one little part where John Ortiz tells Bradley Cooper, he's like, sometimes I listen to Metallica, sometimes I listen to West High Story. Oh, Maria. Oh, I love the music because people didn't know. It was, you know, Stephen Sondheim did the lyrics, but Leonard Bernstein did the music, mm-hmm. and that was when people didn't know who Stephen Sondheim was. So it is, it's my all-time favorite musical. Next to Hamilton once I saw Hamilton but uh, I will say the casting is pretty genius Ansel Elgort mm-hmm. is going to play Tony, Tony. Oh, fun that's a good cast. Yeah, that's fun fact. Casting. He went to the Fame High School with Timothy Chalamet. Oh, so Timothy Chalamet was always losing the parts. It boy, to the Ant- moment. So Elgort. And they also announced that uh, "Call Me by Your Name" two is not going to happen now. Oh, good. Because yeah, Ansel, because uh, Timothy said no. Well, good because why well, yeah, go back? Because why yeah? Why, why go, go back? back? Keep the pedal of the metal. You're a well, talented the, that young was, man. That the book. He's going to be in Dune, right? Denis Villeneuve's yeah. Dune. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, the book doesn't end there that was like like half the book they become older and like they i wasn't a fan of that movie but michael i did Stahlberg's not care for car- uh, his speech to his at son the at the end broke my heart man. which right. is why 
which is why he got nominated for Best Supporting Actor. That one scene. That was like, a, what was a Judy Dench? What was she in the movie? Was she like for five uh, or uh, eight minutes? Uh, Shakespeare uh, in Love. Yeah. yeah, she was in it for five. That's where you could, it just, the whole movie, Michael Stahlberg's character, his dad, which you think is a very understanding dad, you don't know he's that understanding. And mm-hmm. this kind of current climate to see them tell, sit his son down, even though it didn't take place in, in the modern era, it took place like, what, years ago? Mm-hmm. Decade or yeah. Two. It was just such a good... I mean, it was well... As a writer, I was jealous of how well that, that scene was written. All that right. scene was beautiful, but I will say I was creeped out by their age difference. And also, <laughs> Army looked way older mm-hmm. and Timothy looked Not way younger. Not a fan of Army. Here's and an so- example. There's a movie on Netflix right now called Mine, where he plays a soldier who was stuck out in the desert because he stepped on a mine. I will not watch it. It's an hour and 40 minutes of Army mm. Hammer. I will tell you, I have called him a plank of wood before, and uh, I, I feel he's very wooden. He's one-dimensional. And, and, uh, and Lone Ranger, my point is exactly. If you, but I, if you watched him on the CW or the WB's Reaper, yeah. he was really good in that. This was say, That was when he was first starting out. I will say in Man from Uncle he was good but he That was movie can- is underrated and I don't it know is, I don't know why. It is it is they underrated a sequel. Show more personality in that role than he, than he did in all the Superman oh, movies. Mm-hmm. He's and another they, plank of And board. they have a good I mean well yeah but in this and movie Alicia Vikander is great. Mission Impossible movie. He was good in that movie. When yes, they give yes. him something to do Yes. When he's the bad guy. Like, and I oh, did yeah. yeah he was like, pretty boy. Some actors you can't just give them a script and they'll make gold out of it. They have You have to give them a good part. Well, last summer I saw Army on Broadway, and I had to take back that I called him up. I had to take back that that he was a blank of wood. I had to because he was very animated on stage. I was so shocked. It was called Straight White Men, and it it was by all the theater people connected to the production were all with the first uh, August Osage County. Steppenwolf, and so it was a brilliant production. I will say that he takes chances. I'll give him that. And Army, he was the big draw, obviously, but Josh Charles and Paul Schneider played his brothers. And I think because of the quality of Josh Charles and Paul Schneider, that made Army better. Army had to bring it. And Army was so animated because he was the... He was, um, they all danced. Yeah, but if like, not. Like, Army was dancing. I mean, and, it's like, if you can't, yeah, I mean, other great actors around you, if they can't make you good, then you're going to be swallowed up by them. Oh, I know. And so they played these three brothers. They're home for Christmas with their widowed dad. And it's so good. It's such a good place. Straight, well, straight white men. I hope they make it into a movie, but you never know. But I think of all those, Paul Snyder will get the Tony nomination because he was just brilliant. But anyway, so I had to take back what I said about Army. But I still think on film, he doesn't translate well because he is a handsome guy. You got to give him that. You have to and overcome think, the looks and be a good actor. And For I him, think he's so wooden. He just stands there. Yeah, hmm. he, he is so wooden. But let me get back to West Side Story. I got to tell you about the casting. Uh, Spielberg wanted all Latinos for Bernardo and Anita and a couple of the other major roles. And so he did a casting call and videotape came in. A 17-year-old high school girl from uh, New York, Rachel Zegler, got the Maria part. Wow, a nobody. Yeah, a nobody. Not for long. And then the girl who's playing Anita uh, was Tony nominated for playing Donna Summer. Oh, that's coming to the 
Fox. Right. So this is Ariana DeBose. Okay. And uh, so she's playing Anita. And then the guy who's playing Bernardo won a Tony for as one of the Billy Elliot kids okay. in 2009. So he's Bernardo, David Alvarez. And then uh, Rita Moreno is the <gasps> only one from the original. She won a... That's how she got her EGOT. Yes. And she... Uh, is going to play a new character called Valentino. The guy writing the screenplay right now is Tony Kushner, who wrote Angels in America. Wow. Yeah. So this will be good. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. Uh, 2020. Okay. There you go. That's not that far. It's not that far away. It'll be here before you know it. All right. So what are we doing next week? We're going to review Dumbo, Dumbo, the Highwaymen, and uh, or something else. There's the, the uh, oh, the Mustang. Matthias Shainart. We're big fans of Matthias. Is that his name? Matthias Shainart. We're he is from Rust and Bone, The Drop, Uh, Bullhead. Bullhead. He he said when he's on screen, that's a guy. Unlike Cavill and Art Hammer, you give him nothing to do, and he even a couple pages of dialogue. He for the whole movie, he's gonna make it great. He is so great. If I hope the drop can be found on Netflix because if you haven't seen that, James Gandolfini, Tom Hardy, Tom Hardy, is I mean so everybody, fabulous. it's then, a it's a great Dennis Lehane did from a novel, the guy right. that wrote Mystic River and Gone Baby Gone. It should have been on everybody's top ten list that it's year. Great. That was very underrated. But anyway, Matthias Shainarts is the villain. Yes. Wait a minute, in Mustang? No, in in uh, the drop. Yeah, yes, he is. And he's very good. He's creepy good. Yeah, and so and, he's just in a few scenes, but he's but magnetic. But also a very underrated French film with, with uh, Marion Cotillard and Matthias Schoenarts. Rust and Bone. Oh, mm-hmm. Great Marianne. love story. Marion hasn't been in Marion Cotillard. Since she's yeah. been nominated for an Academy Award. She's taking a break. <laughs> I think she might have had uh, some more children. Oh, well. Maybe. Good for her. What a beautiful woman. Mm-hmm. That's, I think that's all we got. Yeah. So until next Carl. time. I'm Carl Middleman. I'm Dan Buffa. And I'm Lynn Venthouse. Thanks for listening.